Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, I'm back. I'm back to where I once belong. Here on Positively Trek, I'm Bruce Gibson. Yeah, I was out last week. It's the first time I think I've missed an episode of Positively Trek, and Dan Gunther here... He did it solo. He did a great job, everyone. Let's give him a round of applause. Oh, thank you. It was it was tough. I have to admit, not having you here, not having someone to bounce stuff off of, it was not my favorite podcasting experience, but I'm glad it went okay, and I'm glad you're back because, you know, honestly, and we've said this before, uh, my co-host who's always here, right? Now, we can't quite say that, but that's okay because, uh, you know, you're here now, and and you're you're what makes positively trek so great i think so well no you it's it's the two of us it's a dance right <laughs> you can't dance without the partner but i'm i am always here cuz i'm here in spirit even when i'm not here absolutely yes too true but i have to say that was the easiest podcast i've ever done <laughs> so i and, and i wasn't out because i was sick it was just i had a week that's all i'm going to say i had a week I had to work the holidays in a really tough job with tough negotiations, getting down to the wire, and was up late at night, early in the morning, nonstop, while everybody else is calling me, going like, hey, how's your holiday? And I'm like, what holiday? <laughs> oh. Well, my heart goes out to you. That uh, that doesn't sound fun, but I'm glad you're back for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is like, you know, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, you know, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day and stuff. It was like, I was fine. You know, by, by the time we got to the eaves and the evenings, I was fine. And I was left alone for the actual holidays. But then the day after Christmas on Sunday, I was back to work. So anyway, we're not here about all that. So I'm just saying I'm back. I'm fine. There was nothing wrong with me. It's just, I was going insane. That's, that's, that was <laughs> what was wrong with me. So we're going to talk about Kobayashi, which is the sixth episode of season one of Star Trek Prodigy here. And we really don't have much news. And the one news item we do have has to do with COVID. And this is always a fun subject. But the production of Picard paused because more than 50 members of the crew tested positive for COVID-19. But the good news is they are back in production again. So there was a pause for maybe about five days when this occurred. I don't know any details about everybody's health or anything associated with the show now, but uh, hopefully everyone there is vaccinated. It was just a brief pause, but production's back on track, so I don't expect things to be delayed in getting season three launched whenever it's supposed to launch. So, But this is a scary time. I'm knowing a lot more people personally than I ever have who have COVID right now. Yeah, it's it's a cautionary tale for all of us because I feel like the desire or the 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 
instinct is to kind of think we're past all of this and, and, oh, it's, you know, in the past, but you know, there's new variants. The Omicron variant is rearing its ugly head and, you know, the, the symptoms of Omicron may not be as strong as some of the other variants we've had, but it still is not good. And, you know, uh, we don't usually get to talk too much about this on the podcast. We kind of steer clear of it, but it's probably just a good time to say like, you know, everybody out there, wear your mask where it's appropriate. And if you can get vaccinated, if you haven't already, uh, I'm I'm going out on a limb and, and establishing that as as my advice to you, not as a healthcare worker. I have no expertise in that area, but, you know, talk to your doctor if you have any questions, because they will very likely steer you in the right direction with regards to that. Well, and then I also saw that Whoopi Goldberg was diagnosed positive with COVID-19 and she didn't even feel anything like she was around mm-hmm. somebody who had it. And then they brought somebody in to test her and they said, you're positive. And she's like, what, what? Like she never felt anything. And I've talked to a few other people that have tested positive that haven't felt anything like they, they mm-hmm. felt fine, but maybe their spouse has a bad cough or feels like they have a cold. And typically these people I'm talking about are vaccinated. I haven't known anybody really to go seriously in the hospital, except one friend of mine who passed away of COVID a couple months ago. But um, yeah, anyway, this is where I don't want to get too much into this because, you know, we want to talk about Star Trek. We want to talk about the fun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it affects the production. So we may see other pauses in production for other shows, but I did hear that Strange New Worlds is already preparing to go into production for season two, which sounds really weird right now because we haven't even seen season one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to all the Star Trek we have. And yeah, with regards to uh, the vaccines, like you were saying, the the vaccines, they will very much reduce the likelihood of serious complications with COVID. So you may still get COVID, but it could be the difference between, you know, being in the hospital on a ventilator or having very mild symptoms or even no symptoms. A friend of the podcast, Kevin Dilmore, Star Trek author, uh, it's been about six months since he was diagnosed with COVID-19 and he had a rough bout of it for about a month and is apparently still feeling some effects and he was fully vaccinated and he a great write up he did on his Facebook about why people should get vaccinated and how he's convinced that if he hadn't been vaccinated, it might've been much worse and we might not be able to talk to him these days because he might not be around. Right. So it's serious. And, and even if you're vaccinated, you can get sick, but you will likely not be nearly as sick as you would be without the vaccination. And the science is pretty clear on that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, most people I know that have COVID right now are vaccinated and they're just, you know, like, oh, it's like a bad cold or, oh, I just have this odd cough or I'm not feeling much of anything. So that's good news for them that it doesn't seem to be anything serious. But yeah, you know, production, like I said, could pause for other shows. But you were just calculating earlier. You were telling me before the show that you think we might have new Star Trek practically every week this year. Yeah, I haven't sat down and done the math completely, but I'm thinking there's like five series and each of them have at least 10 episodes. So that's 50 weeks of Star Trek out of a 52 week year. Uh, You know, just really rough and dirty calculations. Of course, Discovery will probably have about seven episodes this year. Prodigy will have 
Oh, more than that, because part two of season one will be coming later. And that's another extra 10 episodes above the five more we're getting. So they're up to 15. Like, I think we're going to have year round Star Trek this year. Once you figure in Picard season three of Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds on top of that. That is first time ever. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, how strange is that? Actually, now they think back to the 90s when we had that overlap of TNG and DS9 and then, of course, DS9 and Voyager. It would have been kind of cool if they would have shifted it. So once you finished a season of one series like TNG or Voyager, then you go immediately into a new season of DS9. And when that's over, you're back to a season of the other series. That would have been pretty cool. That would have been neat. I could see like network executives of the 90s just like pulling their hair out, imagining running new episodes over the summer of a syndicated show and stuff but yeah man what a different television world that was than what we have now yeah they would have thought oh if we put the show on new episodes in the summer that it's going to tank it's a graveyard you know nobody's watching tv in the summer well that's not necessarily true (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a different ball game now slightly depending yeah if it's online or you know network tv still kind of operates that way on broadcast but anyway we won't get into that because that's going back to my job and i'm having flashbacks to last week so (laughs) um (laughs) let's talk about kobayashi the sixth episode of season one but before we do that let's go to this brief message Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters for helping us to bring you this episode of Positively Trek. We truly could not do it without your support. To join the ranks of our Patreon supporters, such as Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at any level to receive perks such as early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content. And at higher levels, there are shoutouts and associate producer credits, and much more. Thank you once again for your support of Positively Trek. And now, let's get back to the show. Computer, just give me some of the best you got. Acknowledged. Populating crew. Communications officer, Uhura. All deck standing by, sir. Chief medical officer, Beverly Crusher. Looks like you could use some help, Captain. Chief of security, Odo. (laughs) And science officer, Spock. Request permission to come aboard. I like this guy. All right, so let's get into it. So, Dan, I watched this episode the evening that it came out. And by the way, I just want to mention, my wife has not watched any Prodigy. I think Hmm. because of the Nickelodeon thing, she's not interested. She usually watches every new Star Trek with me. Ever since we got married in 1999... She's watched every premiere of a Voyager episode, Enterprise, Discovery, on and on and on. She has not watched Prodigy, and I'm trying to figure out how to convince her that this is something she should watch. Yeah, I would definitely try and do that if I were you, because this is one that, you know, every week Nikki and I watch it together, and she's loving it just as much as I am. So uh, there's a lot there. Like, it's a, it's a, deeper series i think than just saying it's a kids show gives it credit for it's it's been quite good yeah and i've talked about it i mean i even talked about this episode with her and i'm hoping that sparks some interest so maybe i'll try to convince her this weekend or something to watch the first few episodes with me and see if she gets hooked but this episode is packed full of a lot of things of star trek uh from past series and little easter eggs and references here and there 
and it was Star Trek galore. And yeah. I'm just curious, what did you think of all that? That was a lot of fun. This this was one that when I started seeing stuff pop up online on Thursday, I'm like, I need to shut this down fast and not see any spoilers and go watch this episode because there were hints that there was something like people were kind of flipping out. And I'm like, what could be in this episode? What's going on here? And then, yeah, when I got a chance to watch it on Thursday, great stuff. Wow. I was uh, really impressed with what they did and how they did it. Mm, okay, good. Well, I want to talk about that because I was impressed and not always impressed. So we'll touch on that. So, okay. So weeks ago when they took a pause after episode five and then launched discovery, we knew we had to wait a little while until we got back into things. So now we come into episode six and this is where they get away from Gwen's dad, the diviner and where are we? Where are we out in space? And come to find out, they have traveled 4,000 light years away, which is impossible to do. It's impossible. There's no ship that's that fast that can do that. And so we didn't really establish exactly where they are, which I thought was kind of interesting. I've seen some things online where people are questioning, are they still in the Delta Quadrant? Are they in the Gamma Quadrant? Alpha Quadrant? I haven't seen anybody ask about the Beta Quadrant, <laughs> but I'm mm -hmm. more about the Delta and Gamma Quadrants. But I don't think we have anything that specifies where they are. So do you have any speculations? Well, there's just that one screen graphic that shows them apparently in the Gamma Quadrant now, which is interesting. And Janeway says, we started here in the Delta Quadrant, and then it goes over 4,000 light years. And it looks like if you look where the graphic is under the heading Gamma Quadrant, it looks like that might be where they are, if not in the Gamma Quadrant, closer to it, I yeah. guess, than they were. So. I don't know. I'm, I'd love to know exactly where they are too, but yeah, they're being a little cagey on that. Yeah, they are. So I, I don't know why, you know, but maybe there's a reason we'll find out later. But I did like how this started off with Dow playing the game, the little cones yeah. and discs <laughs> game. <laughs> the little, the, the addictive game that, uh, you know, not to be indelicate, but given some of the acting of the folks in TNG that were playing it, seems to give you some interesting pleasure responses when you play it. Um, don't know if that's appropriate for this kid to be playing, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little too young for this, I guess, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. He seemed to handle it okay, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about if maybe... This was a version where the addictive properties had been taken away because he, you know, doesn't play it later in the episode. So I, I'm thinking he somehow escaped getting addicted to it, at least. So we that's even, good. We even Hollow Janeway said, maybe you should go back to playing your game of discs and cones. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, maybe he shouldn't be doing that, Janeway. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. You need data to come on the bridge with a strobe light to cure, of, cure you of that. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, Okay. He has this idea of wanting to go to, well, the, the crew is saying, maybe we go, let's go to the Federation. Let's go there. And Dow's like, no, wait, why? You know, we're, they're going to accuse us of stealing the ship. I mean, the protodrive isn't working yet, but once it does, I mean, you know, this could be dangerous territory for us to go into. And I can't blame him. 
you know, because who knows what you're going to face. They're not that familiar with the Federation. They've never dealt with the Federation. They were never really members of the Federation. These individuals, they don't know what they're going to get themselves into. Yeah, I mean, obviously, of course, we know the Federation and we know they would probably help these kids out and be grateful to get their ship back and stuff. But yeah, to them, it's it's still a big unknown to Dal. He's pretty trepidatious about going back to the Federation. But it's, as Zero says, besides Dal, it's unanimous. They all want to go to the Federation. And he, as their self-appointed captain, as gets pointed out, has decided no for all of them. So let's talk about the self-appointed captain. He's going to take some tests here to see if he really qualifies to be one of the best captains in Starfleet. But before we say that, I want to just say about the whole relationship between Dal and Gwen. Because I liked how early in this episode, Dal tells Gwen that it really wasn't his idea to come back for her like she thinks. He says that it was Janeway that she wouldn't allow them to leave without everyone, including Gwen. And she has Mm. this feeling of, you know, disappointment because she thought that Dal and and the rest of the crew wanted her there. But now it's like, oh, it was commanded by Janeway. And I felt really bad for her. And I was like, why is Dal doing this? You know, why does he want her to think that they don't care? And I think that much thought wasn't put into it by Dell. I think he was kind of doing that typical teenager thing where he doesn't want to appear to be too vulnerable or to have feelings or anything. So he said, oh yeah, no big deal. Uh, Janeway just wouldn't let us leave without picking you up. And he's probably not even thinking that that's going to upset Gwyn or anything like that. He's just trying to save his own face kind of thing. Cause he kind of turns around and walks away without really seeing how that affects her right so Gwyn takes that to mean that they didn't necessarily want her aboard it's just that the ship wouldn't leave without her so you know I I honestly think it wasn't done with that much intention on Dal's part it was just kind of him being a bit you know not wanting to show his vulnerable side or something yeah But then I like towards the end of the episode, Mm -hmm. jumping ahead now, and I can't remember who said it, but someone told Gwen that it was Dal's idea that uh, they go back for her. Yeah, it was Jenko Pog. He said, oh, good thing Dal made us go back for you, huh? (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And Dal, oblivious as ever, doesn't even, he's just looking up at at the information and not even realizing the implications that that all has. So, yes. Well, let's talk about him on the holodeck because they first, this is the first time they've been in the holodeck. We had Murph on there on <laughs> Andoria four with all the snow going on. And then they saw all the different programs, different locations, you know, that they could go mm-hmm. to. And he picks the Kobayashi Maru test. And Janeway, as we said earlier, like, she's like, oh, no, I, you know, that's, you're not ready for that. You know, that's when she's like, you should play your, your game of cones and discs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's going to he's going to prove himself. He's going to say, you know, I'm better than any captain that any what is he it's Federation toady or Federation stooge or something. I'm better than any of them. I'll beat this test. <laughs> yes. And so then the program comes up and he's on the bridge of a galaxy class starship, which then I'm thinking, well, we don't know if this is the enterprise or not, 
But then there's a shot later that we see of the exterior, and you can see really tiny there on the ship, it does say 1701D. Yep, and they do refer to it as the Enterprise a few times as well. Do they? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. <sighs> when uh, It's towards the end as well, but when okay. Dal and Spock are on the... Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But when they're on the Klingon ship, uh, he says Dal to Enterprise and all this stuff. Oh, that's and, right. And then Spock says you remind me of a another captain of the enterprise <laughs> and i think they made it the enterprise just so that he could they could use that line <laughs> you know see maybe sometimes i shouldn't read people's comments online because i do remember that now that you're mentioning it but i read just recently where somebody was complaining oh i just wish they would have called out that it was the enterprise and i was like <laughs> oh, i thought it was and i was like wait i do remember seeing the registry number you know but mm-hmm. yeah, obviously they were wrong So, yeah. Okay. So who was there on the bridge, Dan? Okay. Well, first of all, they have to pick a crew and Dal doesn't want to like go through it all himself. So he just tells the computer, give me the best. And they get the best because we have uh, Spock, we have Uhura, Dr. Crusher, and Odo, I believe, to start with. I don't think I'm missing anybody. We get another one later, but... That's the, those are the four that we initially get. And what's really cool. And of course, everybody who's listening to this already knows this, but they, they repurposed audio for Leonard Nimoy, Nichelle Nichols, and Rene Aubergenois from previous appearances in other episodes and stuff. But Gates McFadden, they actually had their playing Dr. Crusher. So they recorded new audio for Dr. Crusher and they did a not bad job. Not bad, I'd say. They did, the, I think, the best they could do. Uh, and some really cool moments, really great use of some old audio and stuff. Yeah, so this is the part that I liked and then didn't like. So when I said earlier I had some problems, I, I enjoyed this whole episode. But when the crew appeared, I was cool with it. I liked it. I thought, okay, this could be fun. I even thought, wait, why is Odo there? But, well, yeah, Odo didn't serve in Starfleet, but he worked with Starfleet. And so, yeah, he'd be in the database. And sure, he's helped on the Defiant and other things. So, yeah, I'm cool with this random selection. And even though I knew it was original audio from previous episodes of Star Trek and it sounded like that, I was okay with it. But by the time Spock went to the Klingon ship, that's where it really got to me. It was like all over the board, different audio qualities, different ages of the actor sounding young Mm -hmm. and old and stuff. And at that point, I thought they went too far. It's like once we got to that point, I thought, oh, now you've kind of ruined it for me. I hate saying that, but that's how I was feeling. I could see that and I could see how someone would feel that way. I was enjoying it big time. There are a few times during that scene you're talking about, you can tell where they stitch things together and it doesn't quite match. But, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with most of the choices they made. There may be one or two lines too many in there, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great tribute to those actors and, and to have those characters voiced by the originals. The one I was really impressed with actually was Odo. A lot of the lines that they used and they did a lot of stitching together of his lines with other lines, but you generally couldn't tell. 
it was pretty good. There's one where he says there's two Klingon ships closing from aft or something like that. That line is taken from the final episode of Deep Space Nine, What You Leave Behind. And his line is there's two Jem'Hadar ships closing from aft. So I'm like, where did they took out Jem'Hadar and put in Klingon? And it just sounds so smooth. Like, how did they do that? That's so good. Interesting. I like that. I didn't know that piece because I wondered that when I heard it. I was like, I don't recall Odo calling out Klingon ships like that, but I don't remember everything like that. So, but that's mm-hmm. that's that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I will say there's a wonderful piece done by the website denofgeek.com. And uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And they've gone through and found every piece of audio where it comes from, which episode it comes from. For the most part, they got every pretty much everything there. So I know it's just looking through that. I'm gonna have to read all this later. But it's like, oh my gosh, how did how do you figure this stuff out? I mean, you have to be a dedicated <laughs> Trekkie to know this stuff. It's just crazy. But it's my understanding that Renee was supposed to originally voice Odo for this episode and that they wrote this when he was still alive. And that, oh, really? Yeah. I was reading this oh, wow. online too. And that, you know, once he passed away, they decided, oh, well, I guess we have to go and we're going to, they wanted to keep the character in there and they went and pulled those clips. Uh, yeah. I, I'm really impressed by how they did that. And, you know, Gates McFadden does a lot of heavy lifting in this episode as, as Crusher kind of, because they've got her and they can, you know, record new audio, but not as much as you would think. Like they do rely on those other characters a lot. And for the most part, it works really well. Yeah. It was one of those times where I thought, okay, it's really cool to see Dr. Crusher here. And then my problem was Spock on the Klingon ship. The audio just didn't work that well for me that I wish, well, if Gates McFadden is there and she can read new lines, I wish they would have had Crusher go over with him and have that exchange with her. I mean, I know it's going to be a little different than it would be with Spock, but in some ways for her to, you know, say, I know you remind me of a captain. I knew, you know, as you know, mm. referring to Jean-Luc and that, that would have been cool too, you know, but yeah, I could see that, but I will say this, this is the stupid thing about being a Star Trek fan. And I know people can relate to this stupid thing. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> Okay, so I watched this episode, and because that audio thing bothered me, I remember going to bed that night and just thinking about it. And I was just like, oh, I wish it didn't bother me. Oh, I just, I wish I could accept it. Maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe, maybe just that one time, and maybe if I go back and watch it again, it'll be okay. And But I don't know, because he sounds older later. It doesn't sound quite like the other. And, and then it just popped in my head. This is a program on a holodeck, and I don't know who programmed the Kobayashi Maru test, but maybe what they did is they took actual sound bites, just like they did on the show, to put this Hmm. together, that the people who built the program, they have audio sound bites of these real crew members, and so instead of the Kobayashi Maru test recreating the voices of these people, it plays actual video, I mean, actual audio of them when they're serving on the bridges of starships and replays it in this simulation. And then in my Mm. head cannon, I'm like, well, of course, because then when you hear Spock, the person taking the test is actually hearing the real Spock say what he said one time on the bridge of a starship. And then, you know, when he's older, you're hearing an exchange he had 
during his commission in Starfleet. And so instead of recreating their voices, it's actually playing clips just like the show did. And then I was like, I'm okay with this. <laughs> it's so stupid. But that was that wow. worked for me. Yeah, no, I get it. It just, it honestly did not bother me as much. So I, I can imagine that the holodeck was creating new dialogue for them, even though we as Star Trek fans know that it's old dialogue. So. Well, the other thing I will say, I thought about the second time I watched, you know, there's, when you hear some of the voices, they're on a set. And so there's more of a hollow sound. Like it sounds like they're in an area that kind of echoes a little more as opposed to being mm-hmm. in a sound booth. And in some ways I thought, well, I wish they were recorded Gates McFadden and Dow's dialogue and made it sound like that too. So it sounds like the environment they're in matches more of the environment of the old clips. And I thought that could have played better just by doing that. But anyway, that, mm. I, I'm off my soapbox on that. But I, I do enjoy it. I do like it. It bothered me a little. But like I said, I, you know, I know what it is. It's cool. We're all good. Oh, the other thing, though, I had an idea. When you start to hear him say his lines later on the Klingon ship, you're hearing more recent clips and, and of Leonard Nimoy when he's older. I thought in some ways it would have been cool if the hologram would have aged with the voice. And by the end, you're seeing an older Spock and he's hmm. saying goodbye to Dow, live long and prosper. And Dow sees this, this person as they serve through Starfleet in this test age through with his voice from beginning to end. I That would be interesting. It'd be kind of hard to explain story-wise, I guess, but it could be interesting, I guess. Again, it just it just <laughs> did not bother me at all uh, as much as it seems to have bothered you. It so, bothered me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm get, definitely getting that. <laughs> it just no, I, I honestly, it feels like they did the best they could. Yeah. And they're, like I said, there maybe is, was one or two lines too many in that final scene, yes. but... Uh, you know, for me, it, it, it felt like a fitting tribute and I, I really liked it personally. Yeah. And I, I, and again, yeah, I feel like just that last scene, I think they took it just a little too far on that. Like you said, maybe a little too lines, but anyway, it's all good. It's all whatever. That was my only complaint. That's my only complaint about the episode. The only one I have, but it's so cool to see him Dow taking this test over and over and over again, because when somebody takes the test, they don't have that opportunity. And I've seen some people say online, like, well, wait, he, he basically won, at, almost won, the no-win situation <laughs> uh, or no-win scenario. But, you know, he also tried like almost 100 times or whatever it was to make it happen. No one gets that chance. Absolutely. I love that he just about beat it. But darn it, he just kicked that computer console and blew up the Enterprise. <laughs> It is still a kid's show on some level, right? Like yeah. I'm forgiving of that because it's it's still a kid's show. The fact that he lost the last one by some silly reason like that, I forgive it. It's it's done for the laugh at the end. I like it. It is. But how beautiful was it seeing the bridge of the oh, Enterprise? That was well done. That would have been a fun one to work on as an animator for sure. I saw somebody post online photos of the L cars from the original series of TNG and DS9 or whatever, and that they used actual images, you know, they matched those. They didn't just create mm-hmm. new L cars. They matched the ones that were actually on the show. Like if you see Scotty, oh, yeah. that Absolutely. one in front of is like an exact match. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. No, they were very faithful to the original for sure. 
they should have got uh, Michael Kuda in there to help. But he's like, yeah, you got this, guys. You got enough footage to look at. <laughs> so anyway, that whole thing was was really cool. So one of the things, though, I want to also talk about is Gwen, because Gwen is in sickbay and she's really sad. She's kind of depressed about what's gone on with her father. And of course, now she thinks you know, hollow Janeway's it was hollow Janeway's idea to bring her along and wasn't the cruise and it wasn't Dow's and all this stuff. And I like the interchange she had with zero and zero mentioning about the Medusa hive mind, not being a part of that in filling alone. I thought that was interesting. And also talking about language is more than the translation. It's the interpretation. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Gwyn really join this crew, which, you know, really the first steps of that are in this episode, I think, where she really starts to take her place among this group. And we've heard from David Mack, who has worked as a consultant on the show, that Gwyn is his favorite character. And I'm starting to see where that that's going to start coming from, because I'm really curious to see where she goes and what she learns this, all this information, for example, they found within the proto star that she unlocks. It's, you know, in the language of the Von Akat, her people. And also of course this flashback, which raises a whole bunch more questions. Yes. Too. Let's go there. Yeah. 17 years earlier and the star date places it in season three of star Trek, the next generation. So, that was quite a while ago where, you know, Gwyn is created, but also 17 years ago, the Diviner is looking for the Protostar. And the Protostar we know is a newer ship from after Voyager and all that stuff. So how does that work? Like, is there time travel shenanigans involved here? What's going on there? That really raises a whole bunch of questions now that I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yes. Well, do you remember when Dow was on the bridge of the Enterprise and he had to pick a crew? Mm-hmm. So there's some symbols on there that are from the future, too. Yep, there very much are. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like this is a ship that has jumped through time or is from the future. Or what? Yeah, whatever it is. There, yeah, there's some timey-wimey stuff going on somewhere with this ship. So now I'm even more curious. It's become more mysterious to me about this uh, prototype ship. So Especially since we find out who the captain was at one point as well. Oh, did we mm. find that out? <laughs> did we? I think, I think we did. <laughs> you know, I, of course, we all know the answer. It's Captain Chicote. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that scene. I was like, gosh, it would have been really cool if none of us knew this was coming. <laughs> you know, I mean, I wasn't yeah. necessarily expecting in this episode, but we knew Chakotay was going to appear in this series. And, you know, I, I just think we would have been blown away if we had not had no clue that he was returning. Yeah. Well, I think and I could be wrong. I think we can still blame Robert Beltran for that because there was never any formal announcement of that until Robert Beltran talked about it at a convention that he was going to be on this show. And I remember at the time, I think even like Roxanne Dawson, according to, again, I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but according to people who saw the panel, 
Roxanne Dawson kind of had this look on her her face, like, uh, are 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 you supposed to be saying that? Uh, <laughs> so oh, wow. I don't know if that was supposed to get out, but uh, you know, he's probably feels pretty secure in his job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do? Take Ch- Ch- Chakotay off because he said something? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but still, it was a pleasant surprise. It was a pleasant surprise to see he was captain or was captain right and then mm-hmm. Janeway is standing alongside of him and I'm assuming she's Admiral Janeway at this point right no that was that was the holographic Janeway standing next to him yeah now, how do you know that because she's got the same uniform that the hollow Janeway does without rank on it and stuff so mm, I see I Chakotay- didn't that Chakotay's got a totally different style uniform on and Janeway. So yet another different style of uniform. So there's lots of new Starfleet uniforms floating around, but yeah, no, that was the holographic Janeway, I think. And it's pretty clear too, because Janeway looks at her and says, it's becoming clear to me that you weren't my first crew. Right. So, and she seemed to be reporting to Captain Chakotay as well. So if she outranked Chakotay, I don't think she would have been doing that. I wonder why Chakotay would have had hologram Janeway on. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think they were playing the game together? <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, maybe. So then, okay, yeah. So why doesn't hologram Janeway remember, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, we saw earlier that when she goes to des- describe the mission, the purpose of this prototype ship, she can't mention it all of a sudden she's like well the purpose of the ship is to enter the delta quadrant and what the rest is classified so Mm -hmm. who did that And she can't remember it yeah Yeah. so just like just like that i guess the previous crew and stuff is classified as well Mm, i don't know i'm it's getting more interesting (laughs) as we go along i want to know i guess we'll know some more things next week or maybe they'll just give us more things to question (laughs) i'm assuming we'll get some more answers as as the series goes on but yeah it's it's nice it's tantalizing i'm really curious to see where it's all going for sure well the other thing i wanted to call it real quick going back to the kobayashi maru is i forgot to mention that i liked the graphics on the screen for the kobayashi maru test that you see also in star trek to the wrath of khan that was Mm -hmm. cool and the the voice of the captain of the Kobayashi Maru as well lifted right from Star Trek 2. That was very cool. And then I like how Dao uses music to sound <laughs> out the Klingons, you know, and disrupt things. And, you know, of course, Crusher's like, turn that down or whatever. It's like ACDC music playing or something. And it's like boy, this feels like Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> yeah, I I love, I loved that. I thought that was fun. That was perfect for his character. That said, I'm also very glad that, that it wasn't Beastie Boys again. And it was just like, I liked that it was just a little different. They used Thunderstruck from ACDC. They didn't use like Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. That would have been just a little too cute, I think, if that was that same track, yeah. but yeah. No, I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it was better to do it like this. Yeah, you don't want to go a little too close to everything, right? You know, mm-hmm. I was starting to worry about that a little. As much as I enjoy it, it's like I don't want too many callbacks to things. I don't want too much little fan service things. I love it, but you know, like there's a fine line there, and I I didn't feel that way with this episode. I felt good with it, you know. So I 
I wouldn't want them to do that like this every week, though. I think it would be a no. little overboard. We should mention also Scotty comes on as well. We haven't really yes. talked about him, but when uh, Dal kicks Jankum Pog off the bridge, he needs an, a better engineer, as he says. So Scotty shows up and it's the movie version of Scotty. And most of his lines, interestingly, come from the TNG episode Relics. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was wondering, I was like, I wonder where most of these lines are. Okay. I didn't even realize that. That's pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I'm surprised they didn't put him in the Relics uniform, the little vest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would have been cool. But no, I like seeing him in the movie Maroons. You know, it was cool to see that. But yeah, I mean, overall, I don't really have anything more unless there's something you want to bring up, but I thought it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, lots of what people call fan service, but you know what? I'm a fan and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And especially for like a kid's show, quote unquote kid's show, that is introducing people to Star Trek for the first time. There there might be a lot of people watching this who are, you know, kind of aware tangentially of some of these characters, but don't have the the breadth of Star Trek viewing experience that you and I have that know these characters so well. So what a fun way to show Spock for the first time or show Uhura and Odo and Crusher and Scotty, you know, and now when they go back inevitably to watch other Star Trek, once they get hooked by prodigy, nice job Viacom CBS, uh, they'll see those characters and be like, oh, that's where that character's from. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's Odo. Wow. Oh, he's a shapeshifter. That's really cool. You know, I, I, I like that. I like that it's this kind of cool introduction for the people not like us who maybe don't know Star Trek as well. I want Nichelle Nichols to watch this. I want her to see that she's in Star Trek again, you know, a mm-hmm. new episode. And Yeah. I mean, I assume she had to sign off on it, so... I don't know, or her family did, but it would be cool if she sees if she sees this. But uh, you know, that's the thing: these characters, these kids who watch this, if if this is their first Star Trek, this is their first exposure to these characters, and how mm-hmm. weird that is, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to tune in next week see if they can translate the data stream, you know, or interpret it, not just translate it, but interpret it. And uh, we'll go from there. So, Dan, final thoughts? Final thoughts are just, yeah, blown away by how they use those characters and seeing the TNG bridge. And, you know, Dal, I have to, I, I want to talk a little bit about his character as well, because I feel like we've been a little hard on his character because he's a little infuriating, as Uhura says in this episode, actually. And, He's a teenager, right? And like the target audience of the show, a lot of these kids are going to be going through a lot of the things he is. Like think back to when you were a teenager and just going through puberty and starting to resent your parents a little bit and thinking that you knew everything and you know how to do everything better. That's such a common thing for young people. I know I went through it and I know as a teacher, young people I've taught that go through that. And Dal is learning He's he's turning into an adult. He will eventually learn that he is not the greatest person in the galaxy and that he has to rely on the people around him for help and that it's okay to rely on people for help and it's okay to not be sure and to not be perfect. 
And it's fun seeing that journey and kind of, I, I kind of have to keep that in mind a little bit because yeah, Dal annoys me a bit sometimes, but I just have to kind of remember who they're writing for and, and who might be an, an impressionable youth watching this and taking to heart some of these lessons and stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the journey of all these characters and Gwyn really, really interests me as to where her her journey is going and with her father and all that stuff. So, so I'm just waiting with bated breath every week for the new episode. Like I'm loving how it's, how it's uh, being doled out to us. So I'd say for this episode in particular, I'm going to give it uh four out of five Jane Eyre hologram sessions. <laughs> yes. Good one. Four out of five. Really? I expected yeah. it was going to be higher yeah. than that. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving some room to grow, basically. No, I, yeah. I understand that, too, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I really loved this episode. There was so much in here. In some ways, I thought maybe this is the episode they should have ended with, and you know, before they took a break to really get people, like, excited for it to come back. But then at the same time, I thought it was the perfect ending of them just escaping the diviner and going into some unknown and we don't know where, and then coming back to this made me really mm -hmm. appreciate the show, you know? And it's like coming into this episode was like, before I was like, Oh, I'm excited to get some prodigy again. And after this episode, I was like, I am so glad we're back to prodigy again. Even yeah. Though, even though I miss discovery right now too, <laughs> you know, but I'm so excited about this series. So it was like a treat for us. Star Trek fans. Really? Yeah. Like, it, it's like it's like getting a big piece of cake with ice cream. Like, that's what this episode felt like. Mm, and lots you know? of icing. I love lots of icing. <laughs> yeah. Like, not something you'd want to have week after week after week, but, like, what a treat this episode was. Absolutely. So, even though those audio clips bothered me some, I would give it five out of five, but I'm knocking it down to five. 4.75 out of 5 <laughs> photon grenades that Murph swallows and he's indestructible so no one's hurt and Murph lives on. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to know what the deep references in the Star Trek that Murph has something to do with, you know? Mm. I'm still waiting to find out what that is. Oh, I'm really curious, yeah. there's There's a lot of theories out there. I don't know if any of them are right, but I'm curious. Is there any good ones that you've heard that you're kind of leaning towards at all? Uh, not really. There's none that have been like really grabbed me. Like there's a lot of people that think he's a, an evolved bioneural gel pack from Voyager. I don't think that's, that wouldn't quite be the deep enough cut. Ah, uh, yeah. None that really jump out at me yet. Um, D Bradley Baker, interestingly enough, I think he played the Jane Eyre hologram guy as well. I read somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if that's, oh yeah. Okay. D Bradley Baker as Murph Klingon number two and gentleman caller. He was credited in this episode. <laughs> nice. So he's not just on Murph duty. He's doing other voices as well. <laughs> Good. I'm glad he's getting more work. <laughs> that's great. Well, when people want to talk about Murph with you, Dan, where can people find you? Oh, on Twitter is the easiest way at Kurtrats. That's K E R T R A T S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. That's my YouTube channel. 
and Instagram, Kurtrats47, and of course, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on Goodreads, and we have a Goodreads group on there that shows you the upcoming books that we're going to cover on the book club episodes. So look for us there. Positively Trek is on Twitter at Positively Trek. We're also on Instagram. And of course, yeah, look for us on Facebook. We have our discussion group. Come into there. We'll let you in. It's one of the best groups out there for Star Trek talking because where everybody's positive, right? Because it's Positively Trek. And then you can also send us an email, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. So thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, stay positive. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.